You're listening to a podcast from Washington Post Live, bringing the Post's newsroom to life on stage. Michael Osterholm, one of President-elect Joe Biden's COVID-19 advisors, joins the Washington Post to discuss the next critical steps in the fight against the deadly virus. Let's listen. Well, good morning and welcome to Washington Post Live. I'm Paige Winfield Cunningham, author of the Health 202 newsletter here at the Washington Post. And this morning, I'm pleased to welcome as my guest, Dr. Michael Osterholm, an infectious disease expert at the University of Minnesota. And he's also on the advisory board that is advising President-elect Joe Biden uh, on COVID-19 during, trans- uh, during the transition time. Welcome, Dr. Osterholm. Thank you very much. Good to be with you, Paige. I know you and I have been in touch throughout this pandemic, and I've really benefited from from uh, your insights. And I know we have a lot to get to this morning. But first, I want to ask you about an announcement we saw from Biden late last week saying that it is his plan to immediately distribute all vaccine doses instead of holding half of them back to ensure everyone who gets that first shot can get the second. Can you explain the reasoning uh, behind this decision uh, and why you think it might be a better approach here? Well, first of all, uh, let me just be really clear here. I'm very honored to have been serving as an advisor on the advisory board to the uh, president-elect and vice president-elect, but I surely don't speak for the transition team. But uh, let me tell you what uh, I see happening here is uh, the transition team has been very clear about science will, in fact, rule the day for how these vaccines are used, when they're used, where, et cetera. And so let's first of all, just clarify, there is absolutely no deviation from the need for a second dose at the appropriate time. And they've made that very, very clear. So this is not like the situation in England where they have decided to postpone doses. Uh, Just uh, that's been a rumor that's been out there that there is going to be some deviation from that. There is not. The science will in fact uh, determine when vaccines are to be given. Second of all is uh, when the program was set up, there was uh, a, 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 literally a plan to hold every second dose until it is needed, as opposed to actually uh, mixing, you might say, some of those second doses that could be given earlier as a first dose, and then allowing the increasing capacity in manufacturing to cover for the second dose and the new first doses. So what the um, uh, Biden team has done, I think very wisely, has said, we don't need to hold all those second doses. At this point, uh, we know that uh, the capacity is going to increase, but we can plan for if there is some challenge to a one lot, for example, where a sterility problem may come up or a manufacturing glitch, we can actually come up with a strategic reserve of that vaccine so that we can still meet the needs of second doses. So uh, this, uh, the truth of this whole situation is somewhere between the two extremes that people have been presenting, that in fact, all doses will get released or that it'll just stay the same. And I think they have very wisely measured uh, what we can surely expect vaccine delivery to be, uh, take into account a possible uh, glitch in manufacturing and still have enough doses. You're going to see more doses out there, but it won't be all of them. So it sounds like what you're saying is there's an idea of putting some of this into a reserve, um, and I'm hoping you could elaborate a little bit more on that. And then what about people that are concerned that if they get that first shot, that then there's not going to be enough supply for them to get the second shot? Well, let me answer the second question first, because this is really important. The incoming administration is planning very carefully to make sure that that second shot is delivered on time. And so please, at this point, do not be concerned about that. I'm very confident that the plans cover that. Again, when I talk about holding back vaccine, 
Uh, the uh, incoming administration of the transition team has done a very, very careful review of what the manufacturing capacity is now, what it will be likely in 30 to 60 days, and how you plan then for both accommodating increasing number of first doses, as well as having enough vaccine as backup insurance, you might say, so that should a, a particular lot of the vaccine not come through at the scheduled time, that we can still cover uh, the, the first and second dose situation. So I'm very confident that what they're talking about uh, doing is exactly what I think is the best science. Uh, get as much vaccine as you can out first doses, uh, have your uh, ability to make sure you can deliver on second doses, even if something should happen, we don't anticipate it to happen. But at the same time, don't hold all second doses and wait three to four weeks. So I, I think that's a, a very sci uh, a good plan that's based on good science, based on good numbers. And I'm very confident that it will yield ultimately the most protection for Americans uh, as quickly as possible. I think there's also a lot of confusion on what the science says here. You know, I've had people tell me that we don't have uh, much protection at all after the first shot. Some people think we do. Can you lay out for us what we know of what the science says about that at this point? Well, I think it's been very clear from uh, the information presented uh, by NIH researchers, the FDA, the companies uh, that are doing the work that uh, it, there is uh, a protection that can occur very shortly after the first dose. It's a limited protection in terms of numbers. Uh, we don't have the data to support uh, how long that protection might last after the first dose. And at the second dose with these two currently licensed vaccines, or I should say emergency use authorization approved vaccines, really does require that second dose to assure uh, that there is the robust response that not just for long-term, but even in the weeks following the first dose. So I, I think that, again, uh, as you've heard from NIH officials, uh, you've heard from the FDA officials, I think that the incoming administration is taking the science again. That's one of the things I've been really impressed on and being part of this advisory board, science will rule the day. And the best science data we say says you need these two doses. You know, we've also, obviously everyone's concerned about the ramp up of vaccines and the speed. It seems like there's been relative success in getting the vaccines shipped out, but then there's a lot of hang up in actually getting them administered, you know, at the hospital level, at the health provider level. Um, where do you see the biggest problems here? Is it in uh, sort of just the mechanics of getting the shots in people's arms? Is it that not enough people are coming? Uh, and also I know this probably varies regionally. We have different things happening in different states. Well, uh, let me uh, kind of try to take this in parts because this is, is complicated. Um, first of all, uh, you know, I've been concerned about this for some time. As you know, I did a podcast and uh, my weekly podcast uh, over a month ago entitled The Last Mile and the Last Inch, raising concerns that Operation Warp Speed has been a tremendous success from the standpoint of developing, researching, manufacturing, and getting these vaccines to the regulatory process but it's like building that bridge over a three mile gorge that was a great bridge up until the last hundred feet. And then nothing was left for that. And the bridge kind of is a problem. Um, what we saw happen was very little attention paid to how to deliver these vaccines and how to use them. And part of that was that there just wasn't support for what goes on at the local level by state and local health departments, which generally oversee the vast majority of uh, immunizations that occur. 
just remember that right now, the two program areas that are being prioritized are long-term care facilities through a contract between two pharmacy companies and the federal government, not in the purview of the state or local health departments. That program has been very slow to get started here in our own state. We're way behind because this private companies have not delivered as was anticipated. Uh, the same thing in terms of healthcare facilities uh, with the holidays and on top of that with the situation of the increased number of cases in many healthcare facilities around the country where it's very stressful to try to get just medical care done, let alone immunizations. Uh, this has been relatively slow. This is the first 25 million people that need to get vaccinated. Now, those recommendations for vaccinating those two groups came from the, what we call the Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices from the CDC, general guidelines, not mandatory requirements. Some states have decided, well, you know what, we're gonna actually go by age. We're gonna look at those 65 years of age and older and include those. Remember, you only have a limited supply of vaccine. So, you, you know, if you're going to, you know, basically make that decision right now, then you're going to be taking it away from potentially long-term care facility residents or the uh, people who work in our healthcare uh, uh, side of the house, which is very important to get them vaccine. So there is no easy answers here. Until you have more vaccine, which is coming, uh, it's going to be a challenge. So I think what you're gonna see though, is as state and local health departments finally get resources, remember they've had no resources to do this. Only now is the money flowing from the recent past bill to bring the first $3 billion out there to help state and local health departments oversee what needs to be done. Now, I will say that I also, again, I think the incoming administration gets this. They really understand this, like unlike the current administration's efforts. And what I'm also very pleased with is they're going to make available to states all the federal resources possible. And you've heard the president-elect talk about the National Guard or pharmacy programs, et cetera, but they'll do it in coordination and collaboration with the states. I've said this all in my career, like politics, all public health is local. How you deliver a vaccine in a county in California may be very different than how you deliver it here in Minnesota or how you deliver it in the state of New York. And public health agencies understand that. And so I think what you're gonna see is as vaccine becomes available, a much smoother, still, still not always uh, completely smooth, but smoother uh, transition to making vaccine available to people who know when to get it, where to get it, how to get it, and why they should get it. Well, and, and you're right, this is so complicated. You know, it has seemed like in theory, this plan would work, right? The public, the state health departments, public health departments were supposed to coordinate with the providers and then get the vaccine directed there. And yet we are seeing a lot of concern uh, from providers that this isn't working very smoothly. In fact, the American Hospital Association sent a letter to HHS last week asking for more federal direction and communication to assist with the rollout. Uh, how do you think the Biden administration could respond to these particular concerns from hospitals? What's, you know, how, how, how might things look different in terms of the communication under the Biden administration compared to how things look now under Trump? Well, first of all, uh, as more vaccine becomes available, that will surely help everyone and everything. Okay, that by far is a, is a major, major challenge uh, for healthcare facilities, even where they don't have enough vaccine or they can't always anticipate exactly how many doses they'll get on what date. That all raises a challenge. The second thing, let me just point out that, you know, I've been in this business for 45 years. I've been involved with a number of major uh, vaccination campaigns, including the 2009 influenza pandemic. And there has never been a campaign to vaccinate the U.S. population, anything like this. Uh, remember, one of the vaccines has 
particularly stringent requirements around temperature so that it can only be uh, uh, used up to five days after it's taken out of the freezer. And then once it's constituted, it has to be used within six hours. And so uh, to try to plan your immunization programs and to make sure you don't waste one precious drop of this vaccine has been a challenge second to none. That will continue and we're gonna have a challenge with that. But what I see right now is the incoming administration, and I have had an opportunity to participate in a number of these meetings, have been meeting routinely with leaders from public health, from the healthcare industry, uh, from those who support the immunization programs through supplies. And uh, there is a communication and a, an understanding of what the challenges are and what needs to be done, unlike uh, anything I've seen before. So I am confident while there still are going to be challenges, make no mistake, this is not gonna be a perfect rollout just by all the complicated issues involved here. But I think right now, we're getting more and more people to be on the same delivery team with resources. And I think that's going to make a big difference. There's also been a conversation about, you know, do you prioritize just getting shots in people's arms as quickly as possible versus making sure that people sort of wait their turn and get it when recommended? I know that New York Governor Andrew Cuomo was criticized. There were, you know, hundreds of thousands of vaccine doses that went unused because of these eligibility rules. What's your take on that? What should we be focused on? Is it making sure people wait their turn in line or getting the shots to people? Well, you know, I think this is one of those ones that, again, is just uh, very complicated. Let me give you a case in point. Um, we have heard about what appears to be willy-nilly administration of this vac vaccine, particularly in the healthcare setting. And what I mean by that is that we have had situations where suddenly at four o'clock in the afternoon, people are literally running through hospitals to locate additional people to vaccinate that might not be at the highest priority level because of the fact that they now have 27 doses left and it's gonna expire in a, several hours or less. You know, it's almost like having this ticking kind of time bomb on your hand. You don't wanna waste those doses. Now, if somebody were to see that, they would say, that's, that's really chaotic. That's just not fair, what's going on? Well, it's because of the way the vaccine is being delivered. On the other hand, we've seen healthcare facilities uh, prioritizing people who have very limited, if any patient contact, uh, people in, in the law offices of their institutions, et cetera. And that's not right either. We need to make sure that we're getting this vaccine first and foremost to those people who are on the front lines, those people who are at risk of picking up the infection. So the healthcare facilities are themselves still trying to work out how to best allocate this. Uh, you know, I have called for healthcare uh, facilities to vaccinate seven days a week. We know many of them right now are vaccinating five days a week. No, this is a national priority. Vaccinate seven days a week to get this vaccine out. Let's hold them accountable. So I think that is uh, important. On the other hand, let me be really clear. There have been a number of healthcare uh, you know, facilities, uh, hospitals, clinics, and so forth in this country who have done an amazing job, an amazing job in the face of real pressure of, the, of just having so many people in the hospital working these long hours to save uh, patients. So I think you're going to see, even in the healthcare side, uh, this problem begin to resolve more as we figure out how to get it done. Uh, this is the planning I wish had done, gone on months ago. It's the problem that this new incoming administration is going to inherit. But I do believe, again, and, I, and, and this is just me calling balls and strikes. Anyone who knows me knows, you know, I've served roles in the last five presidential administrations. And my job is not, is not partisan. It's just called balls and strikes. And I do believe that this incoming administration gets it. 
And I think that there will be a much uh, more coordinated and smoother uh, effort to get this vaccine out as quickly as possible, uh, starting on January 20th. There's, of course, a lot of uh, questions about when we get the country to herd immunity, when we have enough people vaccinated so the virus isn't spreading so quickly. Uh, what what daily rate do we need to reach here? We know that last weekend, I think it was up to half a million. It seems as though it's fallen again, and some experts have said one or two million per day. But what do you think? Well, if I had the power of a public health magic wand, I'd like to have about 8 billion people vaccinated by next weekend, okay? Uh, this pandemic is extracting a terrible, terrible price around the world. We see it right here in this country. And I must tell you, I think our darkest days are still ahead of us potentially, both in terms of, uh, I think we're gonna continue to see case numbers go up. We now have uh, what I call uh, this adjusting baseline issue where basically we now accept, you know, having. 220,000 cases a day, 3,000 deaths, that's not acceptable. And so we have to get this vaccine out as quickly as possible to as many people. One of the concerns I have, Paige, is, is that very little was done by the current administration to really understand what are people's fears about this vaccine? What are their hopes? We call this knowledge, attitudes, and beliefs. And you know, we're already getting reports that 30 to 40% of healthcare workers are at this point taking a pass on the vaccine. Not saying that they're not gonna get it, but they wanna see more safety data. We have done a terrible job of trying to explain to the public and even our own healthcare providers, what is Operation Warp Speed? What a terrible name. It makes it sound like somehow this vaccine was just roped through and without any real concern for safety. There were no safety steps at all shortened in this process. We've not understood, for example, why there may be communities out there particularly in the black community, that it would have great hesitancy about a vaccine like this that they think a political thumb may have been on the scale. I can tell you that the FDA on this issue with this, these vaccines did an outstanding job. The review was as critical and as comprehensive as you can imagine. I have great confidence in what they did and the independent outside experts that were brought in to review this would tell you the same thing, but we've not done a good job. So one of the challenges we're going to have is not just having vaccine available, but making sure that we can get people to take the vaccine. I, for one, you know, I've been here accused recently of not uh, supporting the vaccine because I haven't gotten vaccinated yet. Well, I'm one of those people that my number hasn't come up yet. I'm not going to jump in front of the line. I can't wait for myself, my family, my friends, my colleagues to get vaccinated. We have to got, somehow translate that kind of excitement, that kind of trust, into the general public and even our, our colleagues. And we've not done that yet. Well, unfortunately our time's growing short, but I do wanna ask you this final question. How long do you think all of this is going to take? And I realize there are a lot of unknowns and, and, and moving parts, but when would, you, when would you advise Americans that life in the US might start looking a little more normal? Well, you know, there's that old line out here in the Midwest, you can take a horse to water, but you can't teach it to drink. Um, you know, we can make all the vaccine available possible. This incoming administration can do everything it possibly can. But in the end, it's going to be about, uh, you know, Americans deciding that they're going to take the vaccine uh, because they believe, one, the pandemic is real. Number two, it could be their life or the life of a loved one that they saved by getting the vaccine. And number three, that the safety issues, the concerns that they have, don't, you know, we're already seeing on social media 
you know, such disinformation coming out. Please know that the entire campaign, the entire effort is being based on science. And I think that's the most important message. So depending on how that happens, Paige, it could be this summer, but it could be later if we don't are able to get uh, uh, people to get vaccine themselves. Well, unfortunately, we're out of time, so we'll have to leave things there. But it was a fascinating discussion. Thank you so much, uh, Dr. Osterholm, for joining us today. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Get vaccinated. Please uh, come back and join us here today at 2 p.m. Eastern, where my colleague Jonathan Capehart will be speaking with California Secretary of State Alex Padilla. Padilla will be replacing Vice President-elect Kamala Harris uh, as Senator from California, and you won't want to miss that conversation. I'm Paige Winfield Cunningham, and thanks so much for watching. Thanks for listening. To hear more interviews from this series and other Washington Post Live programs, visit us at WashingtonPostLive.com.